This morning as we get started here, we're going to be talking about a heart of praise. We're going to be taking a look at Mary's, Mary's prayer here. And um, it, It's funny that Jim mentioned uh, Ken, because during worship, that's, that's the first thing that came to mind. Is, you know, there are people in this room every Sunday that go through different hardships. They go through different stresses and go through different trials. And we get to come here on Sunday mornings and gather as a body and, and give praise to God because life isn't easy, life isn't perfect, but he is. Amen. And that's what this whole passage is about. Hope Church, we are not, we, we've went through some difficult times, but has God changed? He's the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. And we're going to see here today in Mary's prayer that, that God is going to use Mary and, 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 and in her prayer to connect the prophecies of, of things from the past and prayers and groans. How many of us have prayed for something and we haven't seen it on the timeline that we've wanted to see it? Or things don't go the way that we want them to happen. But then when we look back at it years later or maybe months later, sometimes less time than that, we look back and say, God, I'm so glad that things went the way you wanted them versus the way I wanted them. You know, when we look at Mary's prayer today, we're going to see something. We're going to see a heart that says, God, I want to lift your name up above mine. Can I be honest? There's times where I seek to exalt my name above, above the Lord's name. Hope Church, in my prayers today as we look at God's word and we dig in that, that we would become aware and sensitive of the fact that, Lord, we want to see you move. If God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, guess what? He is the same God that can change hearts today that was changing hearts when this church started. And even in every single week, we see people that God is impacting because it's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer today is that we would see that, that it's about him and so today is just a little background as we, we get started with the prayer. I believe that Mary's prayer we're going to look at in Luke chapter 1 and, and is, is one that comes from an overflowing heart of gratitude. Out of the heart or out of the mouth, the abundance of the heart speaks. And I believe Mary's heart is one that says, Lord, I want you to be glorified. And I don't think that this just started when the angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, here's what you're going to do. Here's what God wants you to do. If that were the case, I think Mary would have been like, yo, I, God, I don't know if I'm ready for this. But Mary had a sensitive heart. Do we have sensitive hearts to say, Lord, we want what you want in this church and in our lives and in our everyday. And God, we're going to give you glory no matter what the circumstance, because you are good. And so last week we looked at how Mary and Joseph had purity in heart. And, 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 and today, as we look in the heart of praise, I believe it comes out of that. In fact, her prayer we're going to look at is so filled with theological truths and so filled with, with connecting prophecy and scripture that a lot of scholars doubt that she had actually written this. But I believe this came out of an overflowing of the heart of what the Lord had done for her and a willingness to say, Lord, I want to live for you. It's interesting that as we, we dive into the scripture today, a few things came to my mind. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is explaining to a young Timothy the importance of, of not caring what the world has for them, but living a pure life. And so when we look at Mary, she has such a heart and virtue. She says, God, I need you. I'm going to live for you. And God, would you use me? Hope Church, how many of you would like to be used of God? How many of you would like Hope Church to be a church that people say, man, that's a church that Jesus Christ is active and moving? 
And so 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, Paul is encouraging him. He gives two uh, warnings. One is to, to watch out for the Pharisees who try to do all this external stuff. And then the second one is to cleanse our hearts and say, God, I want to live for you. And so he gives us these words. He says, those who cleanse themselves from the later will be an instrument of special purposes, made wholly useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. I believe that that is part of why God allowed Mary to have this overflow of the heart. And then also, a lot of what she's doing is connecting scripture and prophecies. And we know in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 for 21, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by a prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. I believe today we're going to see that Mary was carried along by the Holy Spirit as her soul rejoices. We, we see right before this passage, and we'll, we'll touch base a little bit, that, that Mary goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's soul, her spirit rejoices because of what God is doing. When God is doing something, do our souls get excited about it? Do we, can we do anything else but give God praise? And so we're going to continue on there and I look back at verse, verse 41 here, and we'll just touch base on this before we dive into our passage. Luke 1, 41. It says, When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you bear. And Mary asked this, or Elizabeth asked this to her, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is the one who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises to her. I find it interesting here that, that, that it talks about that the Lord would fulfill his promises. Remember I mentioned God, sometimes it doesn't seem like his promises to us or our prayers are being answered. But, but, but we're talking about back at the time of Abraham, God's covenant and promise that was made that his children and descendants would be a blessing to all nations. You look back in Job, and in Job, he goes through all these hardships. He, he loses his children. He loses his livestock. He loses everything. He has boils all over. And as he, Job says, but I know my Redeemer lives. This is that fulfillment of that passage going back to the oldest written book in the Bible that the Redeemer has come. The, her, the, John the Baptist leaps her joy within the womb. And, and, and we can't help but do anything but praise God when we think about the magnitude of what God has done. The other reason why I believe that Mary was able to write this under the influence of the Holy Spirit and give this prayer is that Mary would spend three months with Zechariah and Elizabeth at their home, and I was talking to Paul this week, and, and we, were, we were discussing what that would have been like. Here, here's, here's Zechariah. He can't speak. We, we just talked about that last week, in, in case we forgot where, what we talked about last week. It was, it was Zechariah, right? And, 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 and we look at, at the, this passage, and, and oh, that was two weeks ago. I forgot there. Uh, we, we, we talk about this, and, and, and he can't speak. But here is Mary, and, and notice that she came to live with her aunt. There was something that drew her to it. This was probably a godly influence that would pour into her. 
Could you imagine what would have happened those next three months as the scriptures were laid out to her? And, and yeah, Zechariah couldn't talk, but I'm sure he's pointing to the prophecy and, and, and Elizabeth's pouring into her and, and this praise is coming upon her as she's hearing all that her child would be and do. And so we start off in verse 46 here this morning. It says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's opening statement can be interpreted as, as to make large the Lord, or to enhance the Lord, but that's not Mary's intent. Can Mary enhance the Lord or make him any greater than he is? No, Mary, what she's saying is that I'm going to make the Lord larger in my own heart. I'm going to say, God, you are worthy of praise. And, and so as she says this, she's giving the glory back to God. She's not saying, saying that I'm going to make you bigger because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But she's saying, I'm going to lift your name on high because, God, I don't deserve this great thing that you're about to do. And so she gives her appreciation to God and who he is. Hope Church, do we seek to glorify and magnify the Lord in our conversations? In our worship, when we come in here, do we say, God, I know there's things going on. I know there's things going on in the world and in my own heart, but Lord, my desire is to magnify you, to lift your name on high. There's not, we're not going to see people come to know Christ because of the fact of how great we are. We're going to see people come to know Christ because of how great he is. And so Mary's soul is magnifying the Lord. She's lifting him up. And she says here, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, when we look at this passage, Mary is so moved by praise to the Lord, she can't help but magnify his name. And so as, as we think about this, Mary's heart is moved because she knows that she is in need of a Savior. And God is going to choose to use her to bring the Savior of the world into this, into this world. How many of you have felt, God, there's no way you can use me, <laughs> right? Maybe you're driving here like us sometimes, and the kids are screaming, and it's fighting, and it's craziness, and you're just saying, Lord, this does not seem like peace on earth at this exact moment. But when we have a heart like Mary, it says, God, I want to be used, God can do things. And so I, I believe she's moved by praise to the Lord. Now, now let's think about this. Her life is not going to be easy. <laughs> she's a teenage girl. She's about to give birth. Probably all her friends have ostracized her. The community knows what she's doing. Another reason why she may have had moved with Elizabeth is because of the hardships that she would face. But she would say, God, I don't care what is going on around me. I'm going to give you praise. And then also, her spirit rejoices in God, her Savior. And Charles Spurgeon has a lot of great quotes on, on worship and praise. And here's what he says to us. He says, there is no engagement under heaven that is more exalting than praising God. And however great may be the work which is committed to the charge of any of us, we shall always do well if we pause a while to spend time in sacred praise. What he's saying there is, and with the scriptures that, that our greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, and with all our soul. And part of that is praising him. There's so many things that weigh me down. I've never felt 
overburdened by giving praise to the Lord and be like, oh, I got to do this today. Sometimes my heart doesn't want to, but I spend way more time focusing on the things that bring us down, don't we? You think about the conversations that we have, but, but Mary's heart is set and set on giving praise. The other thing is that we have to ask ourselves is, has the Lord made such a profound impact on our life that we can't help but tell someone? When was the last time that we told someone about what Jesus has done in our lives? You know what I find? I often get really nervous before I do that and think, oh, I don't know if this person really wants to hear this. More times than not, people want hope. We're talking about the wonder and awe of Christmas in Christ. We have that hope in Jesus Christ. And so Mary isn't without her own hardships, but, but she's a Lord's servant. And even though it will cost her everything, she can't help but give praise to the Lord. Also, her soul rejoices in her God, her Savior. Now, she can't rejoice in God, her Savior, unless she realizes her state that she needs a Savior. For those of us in this room that we don't know Christ yet, we're so glad you're here. But it, until we come to a point of surrendering, we don't really know how to give God praise. Can I be honest? Some of us in this room, and I'm talking about my own heart here, that, that we can go through the motions so much that we forget that we need to surrender daily to Christ. And so her soul rejoices in her Savior. And we continue on to verse 48. And she says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. There's a few things that we see here. And the first one is that Mary recognizes her humble estate before God. We, we see in Scripture that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, that none of us deserve it. And Mary says, God, I realize my position, but what does she do? She gives God what? Praise. She says, but God, you're holy. <laughs> I may not understand why I lost my job, but God, you're holy. God, I don't understand why I'm going through this divorce, but God, you're holy. God, I don't understand why my children aren't listening, but you are holy. And that doesn't mean that the pain goes away or the things get easier. But what it means is we're saying, God, you are in control. God, I don't understand why things don't happen the way I want them to happen. But God, you're holy. And so Mary isn't referring to being humiliated. In fact, when we talk about our humble state behind, for God, he cleanses us with his righteousness. Emmanuel, God with us, means that God wants to come and dwell with us and have a relationship with us. He sees value in us, but instead she's showing her lowly social position, ultimately her position before God. Brothers and sisters, when we are so insistent on our pride that we're right, it's really hard for us to allow God to work. Don't you just want to be used of God? Say, God, I... It's not about me. God, I don't care if I get the glory. I want you to get the glory. Do you know how many offenses are covered when we do that? When we take this mindset of Mary and ultimately of Christ. 
And ultimately, she, Mary considers herself a servant of God, she says there. And, and, and so with, with this attitude of servanthood, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church in Corinth about the hardships that they're going through. And he says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we command or commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, and hardship, and distress, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, and understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love. Paul is saying in that passage in Second Corinthians the fact that he, they are going to serve God no matter what hardships come. And why? Because it's all worth it. And remember Elizabeth's call here in, in, in verses 42 to 45 that we touched on. Also, Mary recognizes that she's blessed. That God has blessed her. You look at her life from the outside perspective and you think, how in the world are you blessed? She knew her position before God and she knew that if God is going to lead her to something, that he's not going to forsake her. Do you believe that God does not forsake his children? And so also another thing here too is that, that this ties and correlates to, to Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, Hannah was not able to give birth or conceive and she gave birth to the son Samuel. And in that passage, it parallels Mary's prayer. And I believe this is another outpouring of Mary's praise to God as she studied the scriptures. When we give praise to God, guess what? We want to know him more. We want to pursue him more. The greatest way that we can do that is to lean into his word. And say, God, teach me more of who you are. And so, so we see here that in, in uh, 1 Samuel 2 that Hannah praises God. And one of the things that we see here is that Hannah's prayer is that God brings down the proud and he exalts the humble. And so Mary says, Lord, I'm your humble servant. Whatever you want from me, I'll do. Continue on to verse 50 now. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. This is a mercy that would be for all mankind. And, and Mary starts transitioning here. And in the first few verses, Mary's just praising the Lord for what he's done for her personally. Now he starts to she starts to switch to praising the Lord for what he's going to do for others and all mankind, just for his very nature. There's an attitude of praise that, that we get excited for other people. And, and my children struggle when their siblings get something good. How many of you ever had that in your household, right? I know I've said this before, but I can't tell you how many times my kids will say, can it be just about me today? Mary starts praising God. In fact, the angels, if you look throughout Scripture, you look in Revelation chapter 4 and Revelation chapter 5, they're giving praise and honor and glory to God. And, and even we see in the Gospels when, when Jesus is born, the angels are rejoicing. And yet they're not receiving the benefits of the fact that God was sending his son to die for us. So Mary praises God for this awesome thing. But it says here, for those who fear him, and so as we go to the next slide, I, I, I wonder this. So God shows his riches and his mercy of the coming Christ. And I, I think for, if you're like me, 
Um, how, many, how many of you, if you hear something over and over again, eventually it just starts wearing off? You don't have the same awe of it, right? Um, our kids are at different ages right now. And when Ellie sees Santa, she loses her mind. She comes up to him. In fact, we were two weeks ago, we left uh, church and we went to, um, he made a special appearance. We went in Brunswick and we go there and she walks up to him, says, Santa, I want makeup. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we're looking like terrible parents. You know, she's two years old or three years old. This isn't good. And, but, but there's a sense of awe. Can I tell you this? When we come to this verse, John 3.16, I think that we miss the significance of it because after a while we forget just how much this verse should mean to us. And, and, and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Mary is praising God for the coming mercy that's going to come to us. And ultimately grace. And as we look at that, grace is something that we don't deserve. <laughs> and yet we see in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while we're at sinners, Christ died for us. Another question on this too is, do we have a holy fear for him? Now, a holy fear for God isn't one that we're, we're trembling or, or afraid of, of what he might do to us at any time. Yeah, it's a, it's a sense of position of, God, you are in control, Lord. Whatever you want to have happen, I will happen in my life. And God, if I've surrendered my life to you, I'm giving you all of me. In, in no world would we tell our boss, yeah, I'm just not going to come in today deal with it, right? I don't think that would go over very well. But yet to God, we take it so flippantly when he says to worship me with all your heart, to, to, to love one another, to, to, to surrender your life. It's because we know that what he has done for us is, is good, that he's trustworthy, that he's faithful. And so as we continue on, Mary continues to praise God for what he's going to do, and she ties and parallels a few other scriptures here. So verse 51, she says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the, uh, sent the rich away empty. And that's from Mary's prayer here. And I just want to quickly read just two verses out of First Samuel chapter 2 in Hannah's prayer. It says, The Lord sends poverty to the wealthy. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor and from the dust, and he lifts up the needy from the ash heap. He sets them with princes and has them inherit the throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world. And, and so we see in, in, in this parallel that Mary is showing that this coming Messiah, this coming Savior, this baby within her, this wonder is going to bring about these things, that he's going to humble those that need humbled, and he's going to exalt and lift up those that need exalted. What I find, too, is in Mary's prayer is just a continued sense of humility, you know that the Lord will lift us up when he needs us lifted up? That we don't need to seek to raise our voices or, or exalt ourselves anymore. 
that the Lord looks upon us. The other psalm that, that Mary uses here is Psalm 107, verse 9. It says, For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. How many of you just need a touch from the Lord today that you just say, you know, I'm spiritually hungry. I, 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 I need to be back where I am. Do you know if we call on his name, he's faithful to do that? Mary's praise here is coming from the overflow of her soul. She, she's giving praise to, to God, not, not out of just um, the scripture she's reading, but she's experienced it. She's, she sensed God's working in her life. And, and if you think about this, if Mary grew up with an uncle that was a priest and, and, and built in, she'd been poured into by others. And so this is coming from the overflow of her soul. On Sunday mornings, what a beautiful thing it is if when we come in and out of the overflow of our soul, we give praise to our Savior, Jesus. That we, we're not coming and say, Lord, would you, would, you just, would you just fill me right now? I'll talk to you next week. But Lord, would you just give me your blessings? Rather than we say, God, thank you for walking with me this week. Thank you for guiding me through these hardships. And so her soul is overflowing and, 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 and ultimately... Through Jesus, the proud would be made lowly. In Isaiah 53, 1 through 9, we see the, the passage that predicts Christ's death and resurrection. And the fact that he'd be beaten, he'd be stricken down. But Mary is, 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 is tying this, this in. And, and you see this ultimately. We have the ability, now that we see the whole story, to say, Lord, here's your bigger picture. Friends, if you believe that the Bible was just randomly thrown together, I don't know what to say. The prophet Isaiah wrote 700 years before the birth of Christ. And we see these beautiful pictures coming true. And ultimately, we see in verse 4 of Isaiah 53 that he would take our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God. I'm so grateful that the Lord Jesus came down to this earth and sought pity on us. And lastly, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Is, uh, she continues on in verses 54 for 60, 56. She says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Just as he promised our ancestors, Mary stayed, or just as he promised our ancestors, and Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. We mentioned earlier that sometimes God doesn't answer prayers on our timing. Mary is getting to see that God is going to use her to bring the Savior of the world, Jesus, God himself, into this world. And so a few things that we see here is that Christ's kingdom and blessing will reign forever. There's things in this world that come and go. But church, we know that Christ has said that he has established his church and not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against it. Mary is blessing the Lord for this, his faithfulness, his promise of this coming Messiah. And God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham. And, and so Mary ends tying back to the promise that God gave Abraham. In verse, chapter 12, verse 3 of Genesis, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed for you. We know that that God was going to send his Messiah. But think about the children of Israel. 
God gives them this promised land, get, tells them what he's going to do, then they're constantly sold in slavery, constantly in hardships. They're spread all over the world. In fact, they don't even have their own place again until this past century. It is easy for us to lose the wonder and awe of Christmas when we feel like God isn't there. But we see Mary here as saying, God is here and God is the same God. He's never left us. And so we see here that God is going to fulfill his covenant to Abraham. And and ultimately, 33 years later, the words, it is finished, will be uttered. And at that time, the covenant will be made complete. It was made with Abraham that God would restore things, that God would bless his descendants. And so today's challenge for us as as we get ready to leave here is this. Do we come to the Lord in a humble estate? They say that you generally speaking only remember about 10%, maybe 20% if you're lucky, of a message that we normally sit in for an hour. If you remember anything is this. Do we come humbly before the Lord and say, God, I want you to move? Do we come as a church and say, God, we want you to move? We want you to move. We want you to speak in our lives. And, and, and we see Jesus t- tells us in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Psalm 34, 18, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Mary has a heart that says, God, I want you. First, last week, she was able to forsake living, living like the world and say, God, I'm going to live in purity. Now, God, I want, I want you to be exalted. Second, do we praise the Lord from the overflow of your heart? How many of you have ever driven by someone before and, and they're just singing their heart out and you can't hear the words they're singing, right? But their hands are in the air and they're, they're going along. I, I, I believe Mary had a heart that says, God, I'm going to praise you no matter what. I've, I've driven by some of those people and I thought, what in the world are they doing, right? Um, one time I, I was working out at Planet Fitness and uh, I, uh, some of you guys are going, well, that was a long time ago. But uh, I, I, I was working out at Planet Fitness and I had my headphones in and um, a worship song came on that I really enjoyed and I didn't realize it. But before you know it, I'm going, oh my goodness, I'm singing out loud and I do not sing quietly. This is not good. It's awkward, right? And so, you know, back it down a little bit. But, but Mary is praising the Lord. And, and so do we praise the Lord of the overflow of our heart of what he has done for us? And most importantly, who he is. And lastly, have you allowed and accepted the mercy of the coming of the Messiah to shine into the darkness of your life. I want to end with these verses from Zacharias. Just a few few verses later, he would hold his son John, and he would say this prayer of praise over him. Remember, Zechariah couldn't speak for nine months. And the first thing he does is give glory to God. He says this, And you, my child, be called a prophet of the Most High, and you will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the place of peace. 
God has come to speak life into the darkness of our hearts. Mary, praise the Lord. And my prayer and desire is that if you're here today and you do not know him, that maybe you're still living in the, the darks of, of, of death and, and, and gloom, that tonight you would, this morning, you'd be able to come into it and say, Lord, I want to give you my life today. Lord, I know that I am unworthy of you. But Lord, I know that, that you are faithful. Jesus, I want to live for you. My prayer is that our church would say, God, no matter what the darkest times, no matter what the things around, we have hope that not just this Christmas, but every day, because God has left his place and I and come down to earth because he wants to dwell with his people. And when we do that, God is going to radically change the city, our church, and our hearts. And so let's go Lord in prayer as we just end here and worship to him. We're going to sing this song, Worthy worthy and, and just focus on the words. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that this morning, I pray for those that are here that maybe they, they don't know you. Lord, I pray that you would draw them close to you. Lord, I pray for those in this room that, Lord, our hearts are hardened. Lord, that we can become so easily embittered and entangled with ourselves. Lord, would you humble us? God, I pray in my own heart, Lord, that you would show me areas where I just need to praise you. And Lord, ultimately, we pray that you would receive all the glory and honor. In your precious name, amen.